So everyone is here, was invited. That's wonderful. Andrew invited Peter to meet the Messiah because Andrew had found the Messiah, Jesus, and he rushed out, got his brother Peter, and invited him. And Peter then went from there to be the great apostle that he was in the founding of the church. So there are many, many things that can happen by simply inviting someone. Amen? That invitation in so many testimonies that we could see, that invitation, that type of thing has changed so many lives. I know that it changed ours when a couple invited us for the much better. Amen? So this evening, I'm hopeful that we will come into agreement, and that agreement will be that this which I'm holding, the Bible, is the Word of God. Amen? It's not that it just contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It's God, by His mercy and grace, putting on in words for us to know His very thoughts, His very plan, His very wisdom. But more than that, for us to know Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the light. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. Amen? No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. If you do have the Bible with you, then would you turn over to Matthew chapter 4, actually the end of chapter 3, at the 13th verse. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alight upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Right here in this scene, we see what we refer to as the Trinity. Sometimes it's difficult to understand. How is this that there's three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Most religions of the world refute that and say, well, there's only one person, God, and they spend all of their energy, their effort, their works, everything they can kind of imagine to try to connect with God. Now, we... In this country, we are fortunate in this respect, that in this country, most everyone has heard Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. May not know much more than that, but knowing that, uh, even the Jewish religion 
does not acknowledge three persons in one God. However, the Word of God, and we've agreed this is the Word of God, this is God revealing His wisdom to us, and oftentimes when we read or see something in here, our mind may not agree with this, because it's thinking something else. And that's oftentimes where a decision comes in. Am I going to believe my mind, or what somebody told me, or I'm going to believe Matthew chapter 3, 13 verse through 16, written down by God, preserved by God for 2,000 years for us. However, the beauty of God is he always allows us choice. We choose. In Deuteronomy, he said, I put blessing and cursing before you, life and death before you. You choose. Now, tradition and religion, man-made religion, would tell you that's all up to God. However, the Word of God doesn't bear that out. The tradition of man might bear that down, or man's view of God, which is not in line with what God said, might be how we would think that way. But in Deuteronomy chapter 13, in the 19th verse, and I'm going to trust those of you that are write that down and go look it up for yourself. The book of Acts talks about the Bereans who were more noble than the rest of the Christians because they checked the scriptures to see if what they were told was so. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I put before you blessing and cursing, life and death. You choose. Whoa. As you begin to understand and you read this word, and you begin to get with God, you begin to know Jesus, it is an amazing thing how much God trusts us. It amazes me every day. I say, God, wow, what a chance you took. You made this whole earth, and you made everything in it, and you gave us dominion. Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image. And let us give him dominion. Wow. I thought everything that happened in the earth happened because God wanted it to happen. And he's in control of everything. And we don't even have a choice. And we're like puppets that he maneuvers around however he wants to go. Lie. Lie. Anything in the word of God that says that. If God wanted puppets, he would have made puppets. He's God. Amen. Now, here comes Jesus. He comes as a man, God and man in the flesh. He calls himself Son of Man, Son of Man. He has a lineage from the seed of David, from the seed of Abraham. Here comes a man with flesh like us, subject to everything that we're subject to. Every temptation, every issue, every problem, everything, Jesus went through it, yet without sin. Glory to God. But here he comes to the River Jordan, 30 years old. Hadn't done a miracle yet. Hadn't healed anybody. Hadn't even preached yet. And he comes into the River Jordan, and he comes up out of the water, and here comes the Holy Spirit upon him. There are many 
who do not believe that there's even a Holy Spirit. There's many Christians who believe it's a he's like the, the wind, it's an influence. It's like an energy. He is a person. He's the third person of what the Word calls the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And here's an evidence of the three. Father spoke, my beloved Son. The Spirit came down, and here's Jesus standing there. Amen? Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Never lies. And it's by the Holy Spirit inspiring the men and women who wrote the Word of God by His inspiration They put the words down on the page. Verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and what was Jesus? The Word, John chapter 1, 14th verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1, 14. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. That word with really means the Word was face to face with God, the Father. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here John says three, Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. You see, I don't understand totally. I don't know that anybody does. But the revelation and the light that God has given me concerning somewhat of the Godhead, I will share with you, and you give it some thought. However, one of the things I've come to realize is that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, cannot be God unless all three of them are in complete, total agreement, and all three of them function. Father can't be God without the Holy Spirit. Jesus can't be God without the Father and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can't be God without the Father and Jesus. The three are one, and they function and operate. An illustration would be that if, what's your name? Hector. Hector? Hector is playing the father now. What's your name? Gabe. Gabe's playing Jesus the son. And Amanda, she's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So Hector turns and says to Gabe, the father, says to Gabe, the son, Jesus, turn the light on, or light be. So... The sun, he gets up, and you have to do that right now, and goes and flips the switch, right? Now, would the light go on if the switch wasn't flipped by Gabe slash the Son of God? 
No matter how much the Father is saying, light be, light be, light be, light be, unless the Son flips the switch, no light. Now, he goes and flips the switch, but all he did was flip the switch. What lights the light? The electricity. And so, the Holy Spirit, she's zooming through those wires. And, boop, light. Genesis chapter 1, it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. Right? And God said, What if the Father never said anything? Here, here's the Father. Mum's the word with him. Jesus, the son's sitting there going, we going to do anything or not? What's the deal here? And she's hovering. Amen. Father always gives the commands. Always. They're equal, but they're also in an authority structure. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're equal, but the Holy Spirit is submitted to Jesus Father, Jesus submitted to the Father, and this is the power which causes the power of God to be what it is. Because Jesus never says to the Father, let me turn over here and go, turn the light on. He goes, buzz off. What would happen? <laughs> they would have an issue, Gabe, and, and they would have, but... Nothing, would it? Would there be any power to manifest? No. The three must function in order for God to be God, totally reliant on one another. It is an amazing relationship. And you know what's really great? We get to do like Jesus did. The Holy Spirit has given to us to come upon us to give us the same power that Jesus had upon him in his earthly ministry to do what he did. And then he turned around and said to us, the works that I did, you'll do also. And greater, because I go to the Father. Not only did Jesus go to the cross to completely obliterate your sin, in total forgiveness, to where sin is not even imputed to you because of the power of His shed blood, the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, that you and I, once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the divine nature of God comes within us, you and I do not have to walk one single day further with any consciousness of sin. Not one day, not one minute. Romans chapter 3. Blessed is the one whose sins are not imputed to them. God doesn't account, impute sin to us any longer. In other words, and I want you to catch this, open your heart, we once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the divine nature of God. See, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you believe in your heart, He's raised from the dead, you're saved, you're a new creation. 
Amen? Amen? Some of you are. Any new creations here? Yes. Right? Now, once that happens, you are exactly like Jesus was when He went into that river in the sight of God. You are ready for two things. The Spirit of God to come upon and for the Father to say, Hector, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That makes me happy. So I can get up tomorrow morning and say, Daddy God, and know he's listening. I remember when I was five, six years old, there were times when I said, Daddy, to my earthly daddy, 15, 20 times he never heard. It's busy. My heavenly daddy, never too busy for me. Never too busy for you. Amen? See? And you know what's really great about all that I told you so far? We didn't have to do anything to earn it. It was by pretty good deal, huh? See, whenever we receive the grace of God, and we're walking under the grace of God, and whenever we extend the grace of God to others, there's never the idea that there needs to be repayment for what I did. Now, that's the power of God. Because without the power of God, and without the ne- God putting His nature within us, we're not that way. <laughs> See, I want at least to thank you. And if I don't get one, I'm telling everybody in this room what you did. You, you know what I did for Hector? He didn't even say thank you. Deep, wrong, time out. Doesn't matter. Amen. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I haven't read anywhere else in the Word, and I would like you all to check it for me. And if you find any place here that says, it's the misery that God put on me, that's why I repented. Huh? It's the horrible tribulation, the trouble that I've been through, and God forcing me to come to Him. Really? Any parents here? Any would-be parents? There's some would-be parents there. Would you do that to your child? Then turn over to Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or will he, or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask him. I mean, no, if you believe God is, is there, then the devil's there. And he's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. Okay? So he runs around lying a lot, hoping that someone would believe it. And one of the things that he does is he tries to lie to people that if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, watch out. Because you're going to get something bad. You're going to get an evil thing. That's southern for thing. Evil thing. And that's pretty widespread. You get in people's heads over that. And, 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 there, and there were denominations that actually teach that. You know, does that make any sense at all? That we would be better than God? All right. At least be equal. But to say that God would be more evil? Does that make any sense at all? After he gave up his son to go to the cross for us while we were yet ungodly? While we weren't doing one single thing? Do you realize that when God sent Jesus to the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, God knew there was no way any man, woman, child, mankind could ever repay him. You realize that? You cannot repay God for salvation. Now, why would we accept him for the salvation? Glory to God, I believe that if you died tonight, you're going to heaven. Hell is an ugly place and it's for a long time. Well, why would we accept that? And we come over here and he says, I want to give you power to be a witness. I want to give you power. The power of the Holy Spirit that created everything as a third person. I want to give you the Holy Spirit who authored this book. Put him within you. Put him upon you so that you can get this book right. Don't trust the translators. I trust the original, Greek, Hebrew, and even at that I need definitions. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me. Jesus said, He will teach you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. There isn't any reason why a born-again child of God with the Spirit of God within them the power of God upon them could, would say, I don't understand this. Oops. Amen. There's no real reason for that. Now, if I haven't received the Holy Spirit, well, let me give you another verse of Scripture. Acts chapter 1. Matter of fact, let's do a couple of verses. And I want you to see it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, 
Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, over in Luke, flip over there, 24th chapter, 46th verse, Luke 24, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that the repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus said, don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. Amen? Their home was Jerusalem. We receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We believe in our heart he's raised from the dead. We're saved. The divine nature of God's imparted to us. Amen? And then, the first thing... The Lord says, first thing, is don't even leave the house without being endued with power, the Holy Spirit. Would you not think or believe that that would become the most important thing? Because we certainly know Lord Jesus knows what he's talking about. But yet so many people, because there's so much tradition and controversy and all that, it's, oh, I don't know, I, I think I could do without it. I, I think I could do without the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, my Aunt Matilda told me this, and my grandmother told me that, and where I was went to uh, children's religious uh, vacation Bible school, and they said this and this. We said at the beginning, it was the Word of God. That's our final authority, amen? What does it say? And I want to exhort you, write the scriptures down. Check them out. Read them for yourself. See if what I'm sharing with you says to you the same thing that I've shared with you. If it doesn't, put it on the back burner for a while. Maybe go back and look some more. Check something out. But the source of truth is the Word of God. The source of truth is not any other place. It's not in another book that someone wrote. It is not in a uh, statement of faith of a denomination. I was raised Catholic. And I thank God for Catholic because I learned Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there never was any doubt in my mind, even at the age of four or five years old, that the three was one. And by the grace of God, saved my life three, four times, received Jesus, and then then I realized what the Word of God was. And I wondered for the 20 years or so, how did I ever live without it? So hungry for this that I was, that I was in this word six to eight hours a day for two years. 
I owned business and stuff. I had people working for me so I could check in five minutes. Good. I'm going home. Don't burn the place down. And I'm here to tell you, when Jesus said that you shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, he wasn't lying. Because I tried it 29 years. But you know what? When you're dead, you're dead. doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. That doesn't matter one bit what you have. And when in the inside, you start to ask the question that every person asks, why am I even here? What's my purpose? The answer is in here. And the answer is in having the Holy Spirit to lead you here. For the truth in here that you need for your life, where you're at, right now, and very specifically for you. Amen? When you need a word from God, you need a word. Amen? Now, we're going to have these meetings here. Tonight is the, uh, the first week of this regarding the Holy Spirit before more Wednesdays. Our goal is for your faith in regards to the Holy Spirit to increase. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Acts 19, would you turn there? Verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Why hadn't they received him? They didn't hear about him. So what did Paul do? He told them. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. How'd they know the Holy Spirit had come upon them? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. And you hear all kinds of stuff about tongues. Oh, no. Whatever the enemy, the devil fights real hard. You know you want that. I guarantee you. And there's whole chapters. And later on, we got four more weeks to go. We're going to go over that. And you're going to hear and see the Word of God and what it has to say. The body of Christ, the Christians, they're at such a disadvantage where it comes to dealing with the enemy and dealing with the trouble and dealing with the problems and dealing with, with, with those things that uh, plague the people who don't even know Jesus. 3 John 2, God says, I desire above all things... This is God talking, that you prosper and be in health, 
even as your soul prospers. This is the will of God. This is what God is about. He's not about what most people say he's about. Trust me. The hurricanes and this and 9-11 and all of that. Trust the word of God. That is not the judgment of God. I got news for you. When God judges, which he did twice in the Old Testament, there's nothing left. Sodom and Gomorrah, he judged. Poof. Because even in the judgment, he's merciful. Oh, I'm going to bring my judgment, so I'm going to torture these people for three years. Please. We wouldn't do that. Amen? Just, just, just straight on, looking at it, just straight on, it doesn't make any sense. Because if God were about that, why'd God even bother to begin with? Kept Jesus at home. Amen? Now, what did we see in Luke chapter 11 of how, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit and you want to, do you receive it? You ask. You ask. Now, what's really wonderful is that when Jesus was endued with power, the Spirit came upon him, when the early church had the Spirit come upon them, when, like in Acts 19, the twelve disciples had hands laid on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were then in position for all of the gifts of the Spirit to work through them. In other words, they were in position for the power of God to work through them. Well, what, what did what God do in this plan? He made us like Jesus and said, I'm now going to give you my power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to help you. Turn to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to do one verse of Scripture in that regard. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, our one portion of Scripture. First verse. Okay? This is the Word of God. This is God talking to us. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance, not stupid. Ignorant was what those disciples were in Ephesus when Paul came upon them. We so much as not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Word of God says my people perish for lack of knowledge. The opposite of or the synonym to lack of knowledge is ignorant. So he says, I don't want you to be. Now, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Why did God do this? Why did God not just stay at home? Because he wanted his blessing, which is always good, which always prospers us, which always gives us peace, joy, righteousness, which always 
results in all good things. He wanted that for us. And part of that blessing is very God, the Holy Spirit, very God coming upon us with his wisdom, his knowledge, his revelation, his miracle working power, his faith, his discerning of the enemy and, and what the enemy's doing and discerning of spirits. Glory to God, I got a situation comes up, the Holy Spirit and the gift. Listen, folks, a word of knowledge is a piece of God's knowledge. Now, how powerful would that be? It's this powerful. Not only does God count every hair on Rose's head, he has them numbered. This is number 92. This is number 110. A sparrow does not fall to the ground that he doesn't know about it. This is mighty impressive. Now, we have been duped into this. The gifts of the Spirit are not limited and narrow because it's just something that is in the church body as far as the local church or or we have to be in some uh, worshipful setting, whatever. You go to work and you're in a particular uh, job and you run into a problem, engineer, architect, this, that, whatever it is, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's there with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to help you. It gives you ideas to get promoted. Yeah. Hey, I've been running around this for 35 years. I'm telling you. We could be here all night. I could tell you one thing after another. The gift of the Spirit will save people's lives. When we had the home group, we were down in, we grew up in the church in Orlando. I call it growing up. We went there and that's where we, we learned and we grew and we just were blessed. And one of the things we were blessed to do was to lead a home group. And so we were leading the home group and, uh, it was a young couple's home group. I'm middle-aged now, but we were young couples then. And being they were young couples, they had babies like we had babies. And so our group was uh, full of babies. Then one day, we get a phone call. One of the couple's babies had been sent to the hospital. And they called Priscilla. For those that haven't met her, put your hand up. This is Priscilla, my wife. The deal was that I was called, the home group leader, and asked to pray. And I was on the highway, 
And this is down in Central Florida. So I was over at Daytona, which is like 40 miles from Orlando. And I was there on business. I'm on my way back. And on my way back, I got a word of knowledge. The baby's going to die. Let me ask you a question. A little participation here. Because I always like to help equip you. The equip means that you can help somebody else. That's that's one of our goals, that you're equipped and you can help other people as well. If you heard that, what would you do? Huh? God, what's up? That was my prayer. <laughs> I know this isn't your will. Now, he just told me that means something was up. So I called Priscilla, and I said, now here comes a word of wisdom. Because after I said to God, what's up? He said, you call, and he named them. So-and-so in the group, so-and-so in the group, so-and-so in the group. You tell them to be at your house tonight. We're praying for the baby. I called Priscilla. She called them. And at the same time, she got the same word. When confirmation comes that quick, it's serious. This was before I got home driving. She called. We got together that night. And we began to pray. We were, now listen to this, we were desiring. Paul said, desire the best gifts. What was the best gifts in this position we were in? The best gifts were the ones that were going to yield the most power. Because, folks, let me enlighten you. This is about power. This is about the power of God more powerful than the sickness. More powerful than that sickness's ability to kill that child. I know there's going to be people that God will bring and we will... We'll be together and we'll go through, but we'll begin to understand this is about Dunamis power of God being more powerful than the power that is behind what's trying to do you in. And knowing it. That's what the word best really means. Desire the best gift. Well, one of the Women who often would get visions and so forth and be very accurate got a vision. And the vision she got was a man laying hands on the mother when she was pregnant. What was that? What was that vision in the gifts of the Spirit? It was a combination of knowledge, right? We had no way of knowing. God knew, and he told us. Word of knowledge. And what happened right after that was another person had a discerning of spirits. That man wasn't of God. The mother then says, no, that was my uncle. And he was into satanic worship. 
But I wanted to scream at her like, how could you let him? Well, how many of you know that by the gifts of the Spirit, we're on to something here? We get a word of wisdom of what to pray, how to pray, and to break that. And a couple years ago, we met her, the daughter, who was supposed to die 30 years ago. Well, So when I say to you, why do you think the enemy battles this so much? Why the controversy? Why this? Why that? Why does he try to convince? Because when you have the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God, you're going to mess up his parade. And he don't like it. Amen? Oh, me? This is a time... Well, we're getting closer to Jesus coming again. This is a time in southeast Pennsylvania especially because we've had people give us a word of what God is doing, that he's raising an army. Now, what does an army do? They fight the battle. And that army, God is going to equip with the power, with the faith, to know what they're doing, fully equipped with the armor of God on, defeat the enemy and make every enemy of God our footstool. That's death, that's sickness, that's poverty, that's confusion, that's disease, that's everything. Amen? We need to learn. And we need to learn from the Word. We need to hear that word. And we need to understand what we have, what God gave us, what we have. If you haven't received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life right now, that's the beginning point. Once you do that, okay, you have it. The divine nature of God imparted life. You go from death to life. If you don't know, for example, if you died Tonight, you're not going to heaven. You're not fully assured of that. Then you need to stand right now where you're at, and we'll pray, and we'll take care of that right now. Anybody. Everyone is fully assured. You're fully assured. If you die tonight, you'll be in heaven in the presence of God. All right? Shake your head up and down. Let me see it. Hey, you know what I found out? When it comes to confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in your heart he's raised from the dead, it's okay to do it again. (laughs) You know, as a matter of fact, it's okay to do it every day. (laughs) God's good like that. (laughs) Can you all say Jesus is Lord with me? How about Jesus is Lord over my life? How about Jesus is Lord over... Southeast Pennsylvania. How about Jesus is Lord over my family? How about Jesus is Lord over my workplace? You confess Jesus is Lord and he takes care of everything. He takes care of everything. That's good news. That's good news. That is Really good news. Amen. He wasn't made Lord 
because he was the son of God. He was made Lord because he obeyed everything the Father told him. And he went to the cross, was buried, went to hell, was resurrected from the dead, and the Father declared him Lord over all. And he did it as a man, flesh and bone. Thank you, Jesus. And when he did it, he took us with him. You are seated, Phil, at the right hand of the Father with Jesus right now. Well, how can you say that? How do you know? Ephesians tells me the Word of God. And God doesn't lie. 